Yeah, g'day, mate. You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. Right now, we're joined by the Vice Chancellor of the University of Otago, Professor David Murdoch. Atamarie. Uh, kia ora, Jamie. Welcome to the show and welcome back home. Thank you. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, well, I can't say Otipoti born and, and raised, but we can say at least born. Yes, definitely born. In fact, there's a claim I can make as the first vice chancellor to be born on university property because I was actually born in the old Queen Mary Hospital. That's which, of right. Of course, is now Hayward College. It is now Hayward College. Mm. I was also born in Queen Mary Hospital. Mm. And I often wonder if the people within that hall of residence mm. know the history of those rooms. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, some amazing miracles, I guess, happened within <laughs> those walls. Right, um, first off, your academic background is that of medicine. Uh, you have a Bachelor of Medicine and a Bachelor of Surgery, both from Otago, and a Doctorate of Medicine, um, also from Otago, uh, Masters of Science in Epidemiology from the University of London, and some other diplomas, and I don't have time to go through everything. Um, but what drove you towards medicine? Um, you know, what first sparked that interest for you? Yeah, I find that a difficult one, actually, because I think it was right through school I was interested in biological sciences, and, of course, that's always, you know, it's encouraged to think about medicine. So I guess that's, it's hard to know exactly if there was anything more than more than that. Yeah. And so I was, uh, you know, that was my initial intention, getting to medical school, which I, I did, and, uh, yes, went through Otago. Um, how do you think your medical background informs your ability to run a space in a place like this? No, that's a good question. I think traditionally, actually, uh, medicine, we haven't actually, in the discipline, haven't promoted leadership roles very well, mm. I think. Even though a lot of a lot of medics end up in leadership roles, usually within the profession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that the first answer to your question, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the discipline itself does, but I think what it does do is it leads to the opportunity of leadership roles. In fact, my might have been very much through the university and those sorts of roles but I guess you could also say um, you know there is some background in, in, in responding to different uh, you know matter you know you get you get used to responding to urgent matters mm-hmm. and uh, so that may be helpful I guess in leadership roles at times um, so I mean obviously you were the dean of the Christchurch campus uh, and now vice chancellor um, you know so you've gone from that kind of um, academic as well to administration but first the professional work as, as a doctor um, so I mean did you for those leadership roles is that something that you you know you, you wanted you obviously applied for those roles so what, what made you you know make that switch from academic to administration why, why did you want to do that well in fact it, it, it came by chance I must say I, I was keen to be a an academic, so a, a clinical academic, and, and there are pathways for that to be a, an academic and practice as, as a doctor. That mm. Many of our staff do that. Yes. That's pretty normal in the medical school. So I, I came back from having from overseas, having done a postdoctoral fellowship, and was just keen to get a, an academic role. It just happened <clears throat> that the first role that came up was as a head of department <laughs> on our Christchurch campus, and I was still in my 30s at the time, and thinking, well, this is actually not what really what I want to do, but I had a lot of encouragement, as it was an opportunity that appeared just to uh, to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of anxiety 
around that and knowing, gosh, was that really what I wanted to do at that stage, concerned that it was going to derail my, my academic interests. Yeah. turned out to be one of the best decisions I ever made and stayed on that role for 14 years, which is rather too long to be the kind of head of a department. But through that time, I, I learned um, from really, I guess, having been thrown into that role, mm-hmm. um, the joys of leadership, which we actually are very poor at at promoting there are some really positive aspects to being able to um, facilitate change you know help develop others the careers of others making space for others to thrive and all of that which um, I realised as my career went on that that was actually becoming much more of a priority for me yeah so I mean when you started as the Dean of Crossroads it must have just been a couple of years before the earthquakes no it was afterwards actually oh it was okay yeah, it was 2016, So, but I was oh. around as a head of department during oh, the yeah, yeah. earthquake, okay. so went through that whole period. Yes, you went through that whole period here, and now you're coming into COVID here. It's mm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> What's going to happen next time you get a promotion? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, do you miss the hands-on stuff in terms of the academic and, and, and the fact that you could still practice at that time? Um yeah, the, I, I do miss a lot of the, uh, the clinical side. And, and in fact, because I actually had two specialties, I especially, my area is infectious disease, but within that I specialise both in the clinical side, patient care, and the laboratory side, the diagnostics. Mm. And just going forward, I was unable to keep, just there wasn't enough time. So, it, so a lot of the, the clinical stuff I have to, had to kind of put aside. Uh, and, and, you know, that was not easy because uh, it was a very enjoyable part of and being a doctor but um, you know I think you've got to be honest as you go through your career probably the demands of the kind of the acute demands of being in part of a health system you know you feel I think for most doctors want to feel that they can reduce that that kind of pressure and so often look for other uh, um, other avenues so you know for me that was being an academic leader um, so what are your kind of goals for Otago and your time here as, as the Vice-Chancellor, you know, um, you know, in, in the short term and in the long term? What are you kind of looking at? Yeah, well, short term won't surprise you. We've got to get through this uh, <laughs> this pandemic, and, and we will. I mean, I think that said, it. it's, it's quite a, you know, it is a, a tough, disrupted time we're going through, but we will get through it, and I think that's something we've got to um, keep in mind. And I think we're starting to see the end insight which probably been a bit dispiriting the fact that we haven't probably until now mm-hmm. um, and so you know staff and student welfare you know that's the priority as we get through here getting through in this it's um, best shape as possible getting the, the best you know learning experience we can give our students during this time and, and so that's that's obviously an, an immediate um, activity that we just have to put our minds to at the moment and beyond that there there are some you know what a university is going to look like after the pandemic and this is a global issue actually yeah. and i think it, it's it's several um aspects to that one in a, in a world that's going to be a bit different the role of universities but also how we actually deliver our teaching learning and of course uh covid's brought on, brought suddenly it's shown us what can happen and when you can't deliver in, in the ways that you might normally. Yeah. You know, not all of those ways are the ways that we would prefer to do it, but were forced on us. But it, but it, it, to think that we'll just go back to where we were before, that's a bit simplistic, I think. And we yeah. will be looking at 
as all universities around the world are, at just how we will be uh, delivering um, the learning you know, experiences in, in different ways, which actually uh, is, is quite exciting, but also means we need to get on to it to actually uh, have a unified plan as a university. Yep, We've been yep. quite, naturally quite reactive so far. <laughs> yeah, well, you um, don't have a choice. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so it's actually getting a bit of a plan around that. You know, and there are there are obviously bigger issues. It's uh, um, you know this you know, student international students that mm. that was you know obviously we're, we're keen as all universities to get for all sorts of reasons yeah. have the international students back and, and a mix, which is I think is is really important beyond the revenue too. I think that's just having the, the mix of of, of uh, students as the diversity is it's really critical. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have a building program, we've got a relationship with Mana Whenua, we've got a lot of other activities which we uh, you know, put our mind to. So um, it's going to be a busy time. And I like how you added not just monetary there, because I think the international students really lead a lot to the culture of the place. Totally. I think especially while I was at university, it was, it was a big part of it. Totally um, agree. We've been quite lucky, though, I guess, in a way where we had the, you know, um, a limited percentage of international students that could come to Otago in terms of, of, of uh, the whole overall percentage of students here. Do you think that might change in the future? Uh, I'm unsure. Um, we'll need to, obviously, you know, the first thing is just to adjust to the, you know, the government's rules around immigration yeah, yeah. and opening up. And, just, and we'll certainly at least want to get back to where we were before. And I guess we, you know, we, ha- we were... And, and to be clear, we were relative compared to other universities. We were probably less affected, but we were quite affected oh, by oh, yeah. it. Yeah, oh, but there were some universities um, that, of course, the proportion of international students were much, much higher. Broad Auckland. Um, right. So I mean, you know, um, it, it's orientation week. It's day number two. And the students are starting to return. Um, those that will be at least um, so what is your message to the students um, for now and into the future of, of this year well well, first a, a big welcome I mean I think that's something that we've, we've we've missed a lot of our usual activities and so you know just a, a welcome on behalf of the university community because uh, you're front and centre of what we do and mm. And we, and you really uh, need to know your front of mind for us and your welfare. So um, there's a huge amount of work. Just really, uh, I mean, we, we know it's been disrupted. This is not the O week we had anticipated. Mm-hmm. This is not the start to the academic year that we normally have. And we are as desperate as, as all our students to get back to something close to what we would normally do. But we, within those uh, that context, we are we're trying our best to get the best experience for students I love it will be a second best obviously yeah, yeah. but uh, you know we want and we're keen as ever to get back to uh, the way we would normally uh, deliver our teaching some of those activities yeah but let's hope that's not too far away hopefully Omicron will be the last variant but you know we never know you're the epidemiologist <laughs> 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 hey, well, uh, Vice Chancellor Professor David Murdoch, thank you so much for coming in this morning. An absolute pleasure to meet you and uh, have you in the studio with me. You're welcome. Yeah, I hope uh, you enjoy the rest of your orientation week, whatever that looks like. <laughs> Thanks, um, Jamie. And hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, now, Steve's, that was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.